Hey, y'all. Here we are once again, back-to-back weeks in releasing episodes for the podcast. Uh, We're excited about this opportunity. Uh, The special episode we had with Dr. Brian Russell was uh, very well received. We've, We've gotten a lot of great feedback on that. As you know, that episode kind of took on a life of its own, and so here we are doing these back-to-back episodes so that we can catch up with our regular schedule of recordings and releases, uh, which is uh, kind of fun for us because we haven't done back-to-back episodes uh, yet. Uh, So we hope you enjoy this. We hope that you uh, like the discussion we have about death and resurrection. And as always, you can ask any questions that you have or make comments. You can send us an email at questions at podakesis.com or connect with us at podakesis is where you can find us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And uh, we hope you really enjoy this episode. And now, on with the show. Podicumans, and welcome to another episode of the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends and the best pastors in their own mind in the South Georgia Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. Jim Morrow, Alan Kaysen, how are you guys doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> I was like, I didn't, I, I, Jim's like... I don't know what Jim was doing. Uh, no, I, was, doing I, was, I was waiting for a retort. Um, that was a that was a, a kind introduction, Brett. Uh, it was very kind. It, I, I try to be kind, and I haven't been today, so that was I needed to get that out for the day. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, his good deed to quietly insult his own friends, um, and there we go. This has well, been your passive good. aggressive insult of the day, <laughs> which is which is good because our topic today. Um, Kind of fits in a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) We're talking today about death, which is what Brett's going to do if he keeps making fun of his friends. Uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's (laughs) absolutely absolutely true. What a whiplash of an episode we have before everybody. We have the sting of death. Yes. And and the joy of resurrection. Absolutely. Amen to that. So uh, you may be thinking to yourself, wow, Potokesis folks, what are you doing? Why, Why are you putting out another episode? Well, we, we kind of had a special episode in the last recording we did with Dr. Brian Russell from Asbury Seminary. He came on to join us with the catechism, but we also wanted him to tell us a little bit about his new book on Centering Prayer. Well, that just turned out to be an hour together of just some deep, deep teaching from him about Centering Prayer, spirituality, and really just being able to have a great conversation about some real-life stuff that affects pastors but also lay people. Um, in our churches and in our homes and and wherever. So toward the end of that episode, as we were recording, we realized, wow, this really needs to be a thing unto itself. And so uh, we are so grateful for Dr. Russell and just him bringing his wisdom in that last episode that we were able to put out. But today we're getting right back to the catechism, uh, John Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism. We're going to be picking up uh, with question 
37 and question 38 of John Wesley's revision of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And uh, we're excited to be able to bring this to you. But before we do, I just want to remind you to hit us up on social media. At Podikesis is where you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, like us and review us on whatever podcast app you are using, especially on Apple Podcast. If you'll make us have give us five stars there and even leave a little review that helps us in the apple world and i know we would be most grateful uh for that uh thank you also just for your continued support of the podicesis podcast and we're grateful for all of our podicumens out there i think we're ready to get started with the actual uh the questions uh questions 37 and 38 and um, i'll tell you what i'm going to do i'm going to read both questions and then I'm going to see if somebody, and I'm pretty sure we will know who it is here in just a second, has the answers to both of these questions. Mm, it's hard. They're hard questions. They, they are hard questions. They're short But I'm questions. thinking somebody has the answers. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So question 37. Mm. What benefits, and see, this is what we've been dealing with lately, these, <laughs> this idea of benefits, right? <laughs> Jim's like, get on with yes, it. Yes, we also deal with that at our annual health insurance election times. <laughs> exactly right. The language here is just really funny to me. Anyway, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? And then the next question, question 38, is what benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? So what answers right. do we have? So we have um, the the answer to question thirty seven. What benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? Was highly uh, edited by by Wesley. And so, how do you guys think we ought to do it? We should, let's let's let's, re- let's let's share the whole answer first. Okay, and the yes. revised, and then the revised answer. Okay, yes, absolutely. So here we go. Here's the here's the answer that originally appeared in the Catechism. Right. Uh, the souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory and their bodies being still united to Christ do rest in their graves till the resurrection. Okay. Yep. So got we, got the, we got the original answer. That's the original. Yes. And then so this after is the, Wesley's mighty pen. Yes. Here's the, uh, Wesley said, no. Okay. Here's, no. here's, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what he said. Are uh, they made perfect in holiness at their death? No. <laughs> so Before. this is this is how the answer reads. Once Wesley got done with it, the souls of believers at their death pass into glory, and their bodies rest in their graves till the resurrection. Just mm-hmm. minor, minor, Just minor. Like took half of it out, but that's okay. It's like, okay, so that's the that's the that's the answer to thirty seven, thirty eight. Yes. Uh, what are the benefits do believers receive from Christ the resurrection? At the resurrection, believers being raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment, and made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all of eternity. You know what I love about first of all this these two these two questions in their original format and in the revised format uh, here that Wesley gave us is um, a lot of times in the church most time at least in the churches I've been a part of we talk about death and resurrection in light of Jesus and what I mean by like Jesus's death and Jesus's resurrection yeah and we only really talk about our death and our resurrection as believers when we die. 
like at our funerals or at someone else's funerals, funeral. But what I like about this is this makes us now, here and now, think about these questions, this, this idea of mortality of death itself and resurrection, and the fact that in Christ, through Christ, death and resurrection, there is, there is something we believers, like, there's grace and there's, gift, there's a gift, there's something for us. Um, and it's good to be able to look at this, uh, this side of the living, if you will. Um, yeah, well, it's really important. I think that we've done a lot of avoiding death um, in our culture. Our culture is afraid of death. For example, you want to look younger and younger, which means that you want to look farther and farther away from death. Um, you want to uh, have all of the consequences of your lifestyle and actions erased by magic pills and um, magic foods, uh, superfoods. Um, we want pharmaceuticals to do everything they can to stave off death, often without us having to do much uh, on our own to do that. Um, and then to talk about death is it's not something that we're really fascinated with. Um, and so even as Christians, it's become difficult to talk about death or uncomfortable on the whole. John Wesley and the early Methodists, and probably many others, talked about dying a good death, um, which if you were to I can just imagine me walking up to a bunch of church folks right now and be like, today we're going to talk about dying a good death. And mm -hmm. they'd be like, no, man, church is supposed to make me feel good. Right, yes. So it, mm. it's important, I think, uh, and great that the Catechism and Wesley and now our podcast say, let's think about death, and then we'll remind people to go get their will made. <laughs> Speaking of benefits, so, which, which is very is important, when, by the way, this is when a, a an highly ad recommended in another in another in other podcasts an ad for Legal Zoom or something like that would yeah, come no. on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We should. Can we get this sponsored? podcast is not sponsored by Legal Zoom. <laughs> if you did that, you know what John Wesley would say? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so there's another thing before we even dive in uh, that I want to talk about. And I want to do it in such a way where any listeners know that I'm just talking generally. You two gentlemen on the show with me are pastors and have uh, presided over the funerals mm -hmm. of the deceased. Mm -hmm. How many times have you been presented with the opportunity to read sappy poetry that talks about not having died? Don't worry, I'm not dead. Don't mm -hmm. worry. Uh, I, you know, all of those things that yeah. just deny the fact that a person has died right and here is a major piece of um you know not modern but <laughs> uh, mid mid christian life um theology that says boom by the way don't forget you die that's right absolutely right don't forget that you die right death actually happens and you know coming from a wesleyan perspective so we we tend to and the the idea the understanding of sanctification really plays into this which is one of the reasons why it is marked up the way it is in question 37 but we'll come to that in just a moment but you know a piece of John Wesley's understanding of grace you know we have prevenient grace God's grace that goes before our salvation goes before our justification you have justifying faith uh grace justifying grace you have regeneration um then you've got sanctifying grace then you have glorifying grace, and this glorifying grace is this part. It's 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 what deal is the grace of God at our death, 
and what we experience and have and um, are gifted in, in that through Christ, through faith in Christ. And so um, it, it, we, we need to, as Christians, we, we don't need to run away from it. Well, let's be real clear. You should avoid dying. Well, that's true. Um, yes. But there's that, no need to you. avoid talking. Thank you for about that clarity. <laughs> clarification there. Yeah, thank you. you. Know, <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of people, especially now, are talking about the Lord. The Lord knows, you know, the Lord knows when it's going to happen. You, you, we're all going to die, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, God also told me to get under shelter when there's lightning and there's a storm, you know. Right. Like, God, yeah. you know, uh, we don't have to run towards death. Just because God knows when it's going to happen doesn't mean we have to, like, actively seek it. That's exactly. So um, we can still use our brains to right. avoid it because I think there's things that God wants us to do on this earth uh, uh, to bless other people. So, anyways, yeah. that's just right. that's not side, side tangent. That's not a particular about a particular topic at all, really. Uh, <laughs> Just if you happen to be listening to this around the time that it airs, you might consider ways that you can keep yourself and others alive. I think that's all really just in a general way. What we're saying. That is very general, just, not just specific general, whatsoever not to the time that this is being recorded. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> At all. Well, um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the scripture proofs on this. And I, um, I think we're going to look at some uh, scriptures from uh, Thessalonians to start off with. Uh, we're going to. Uh, I, we thought you were going to say, we're going to look at some scriptures from the Bible. <laughs> yeah, from the Bible. We're going to listen to them. All right, so <laughs> I want to pick up at, at uh, 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we'll be reading in chapter 4. Uh, I'll pick up verses 14 uh, over to 18. And this will actually touch on both questions. So Paul, writing to the Christians there, he says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again... Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead will, and Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet them in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. And so there's a, there's in the early Christian churches, like there would be in the Thessaloniki, um, the earliest Christian churches are sitting wondering when Jesus is coming back because he said he would. Um, and one of one of the things that the New Testament uh, epistles help to do for those churches is just kind of say he's still coming, and we still have to live in light of that. And so you get this sense by inferring um, the the other side of the letter, so to speak, what maybe the Thessalonians' question was that like, well, we thought Jesus was coming, and now Johnny died. Is what's going to happen? He was supposed to go with Jesus when Jesus came. And so Paul is giving them uh, in his, this kind of theology of death, just kind of a reassurance that they have faithfully lived and died and do not worry. Christ will raise them up as he comes as well. So there is a reality that we will die and we will rise in Christ, mm -hmm. that there will be in a sense, uh, not in a sense, but there will be a time of general resurrection. Mm-hmm. And uh, here he doesn't go into too much detail about how that includes believers and unbelievers, but he does talk about how we, uh, if, if Christ were to come today, we who are alive, 
would be united with him and those who died would have been united with him first. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And the Gospels, and we'll get to some of these in just a minute, but the Gospels actually really do kind of go in depth, in depth, a little more in depth on this idea of the general resurrection. You can read about this in John, John mm-hmm. chapter 11, when Jesus is talking to, uh, is it Mary, um, um, at, at Lazarus, when Lazarus dies. Mm-hmm. And then you can also read about it in Matthew when he talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats and what's going on there. We'll get to that yeah. in just a moment, though. I don't want to get—this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it touches on a really big topic that I think is only popular theology because of Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Or is it Judy B. Jones? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is one of this is one of the passages that—was uh, I just what? quietly rude? I think— um, I think- I think you the did left what I be- did. Those are the authors of the Left Behind books. Um, and sometimes this passage is used to describe the, quote, rapture. And mm-hmm. all I would invite people to do is maybe to do deeper study uh, of, of various kinds of end times thinking, because um, there's that's not the predominant. It may be predominant in American um, culture. But it is not the predominant mode of theology about what will happen at the end. And in fact, if you were to spend a little bit of time just in chapter four of First Thessalonians, it may not be the predominant even thought of the scripture here. That's right. That's right. And there's there's just there's just really good historical data and resources out there on what the church for millennia uh, believed about end times and there debates. There were definitely debates there, but. Uh, the 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 mode of end times thinking that um, Jim is alluding to is fairly relatively recent. Man, I kind of want to get into it, but like we don't have time for another special yeah. episode of Jim's <laughs> rantings about uh, John Hagee. Um, we'll leave that one alone. Yeah. Except I think we all do agree with this. Yes, Christ will come again. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Carry on. All right. Good deal. All right. Well, we're moving from one uh, one part of the uh, the Roman world in which uh, Paul was planting churches to another part of the Roman world where Paul was also planting churches um, in the city of Corinth. And I think Paul had some things to say to them, and he so did. we're going to hear from those letters. Yes. So uh, I'm going to read first from Second Corinthians. I'm going to go a little you know backwards. It's going to go. What would you say if you were if you were an Anglican in England? How I would, would say. You- I would say two Corinthians. Yeah, that's valid. Yeah, that that's how valid. they do. That's how they do it. I, I heard. Um, 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 was it Justin Welby? Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. Um, Pete yeah. Gregg. I think I think I've heard. I think yeah, I've so heard it, it, those folks, um, specifically in London and England, that uh, they they do they, two Corinthians. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and just real quick, did you know that in the Greek they didn't use numbers? It, 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 they used alpha and beta. No, I did not, but now hey, I do. Were you glad to have that information just interrupt your train of thought? I I think totally. the answer is no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's read the so, scriptures, Alan. Uh, Come on, be- you're delaying. Okay, excuse me. Let me read. Thank you. From Beta Corinthians. Um, <laughs> <laughs> chapter 5. <laughs> We're getting a kick out of ourselves today, so we'll apologize to the Potakis' world. Uh, this is but, why our, uh, this is why our four listeners keep coming back. That's absolutely true. <laughs> All right, Second Corinthians five. I'm going to read verses one, six, and eight. So I'm skipping around a little bit. So 
Um, nothing like uh, reading out of context, but <laughs> um, for we know that if the, the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Mm. And so we talk about this, our bodies will lay at rest and then um, at death and then at resurrection, um, we will be raised in glory, which gets into 1 Corinthians 15 verses. And before you read that, for one of the kind of interesting questions that comes up and that it's an interesting thing to kind of think through and to teach um, is what actually happens to us when we die as believers. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. what what actually is... So what we say, you know, pastorally, what we say from the pulpit, you know, what we... And they've gone on to be with the Lord, you know, just kind of a way of putting it. They've gone on to be with the Lord, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, they're with Jesus now or however you want to do it, say that. But what actually is happening, Where what is happening, and at least according to Scripture, some of the things we're reading here, some of the other uh, pieces of Scripture, is that there's kind of a waiting period, perhaps, or as Paul will say, they're asleep, they're resting, um, and that that being with the Lord comes at the resurrection. Um, so it's an interesting, interesting thing to think about there. Yeah, and our catechism, however, will will talk about uh, when they when we die, we are with the Lord, and then our bodies remain in the grave. Yeah. So, which so, is different, uh, not different, but it might be a different side of the diamond from what Paul is saying. Right. But either way, are the fullness of that eternal life, um, say say from Thessalonians, and I think we'll see from Corinthians, is not coming until resurrection. Right. But right. There's a difference between uh, uh, the body of someone who is dead and the body of the faithful person that Paul says they're, they, they are sleeping. That has such a different connotation to it that, that other than just plain dead. And that is that we will then wake. Yeah. That That, we will then wake. The very line that, and I'm sorry, uh, Jim, uh, not Jim Allen, um, in the question 38 and what he'll be talking about with the, uh, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. With question 37, is that they will rest in their graves until the resurrection. I mean, what a powerful—I mean, that's just—yeah, yeah. It's a whole—if we, we're, if we're really—I think we need—as we talk about death, like as, and we, we talk about it from a Christian perspective and resurrection and what, it, and, and, and what we receive at our death and at our resurrection, I mean, we, I, think, I think it's important for us to really—this is important Christian teaching. Yes, it's it's pivotal Christmas Christmas teaching <laughs> Christian teaching. Um, and I won't do now, but I think it's worth uh, any catechumens or any of you gentlemen here who are interested um, to think about what the word eternity, eternal, uh, an eternal life mean. Yeah, we think about them being forever, meaning that if I were to die and I am present with the Lord, that there's a gap, mm. but eternity. Uh, is a state that was before time as we know it was created. And so if you were to think about, you spend some time with Einstein on theories of time and relativity, and you can actually have some great fun 
thinking about what eternity means. Mm. So is it such that when I am absent with the body, I'm present with the Lord, as we always say, but is that a separate thing? Mm. At any rate, it'll be fun for anybody who's interested to take a look at how time mm-hmm. and eternity and death relate. Agreed. Agree. All right, Alan. Sorry to interrupt you there. Hit us it's up fun. with some resurrection good news. It's fine. I was just waiting to read scripture. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> now back to our hey, regular Alan, schedule. I've got programming. something I'd like to say. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> No. <laughs> All right. First Corinthians 15 verses 42 to 43. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead? The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just so, reading that aloud kind of feels like preaching, doesn't it? It does. It felt good. Um, and so the so the resurrection believers being raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment. They're made perfectly blessed. Um, and so everything, it's kind of goes back to revelation for me. It's like everything that is wrong in the world, including these, these fleshy bodies are made perfect and whole. Um, in in the resurrection and so you know what i love one of the things that i love about this discussion of resurrection and even death is that bodies are important they don't go away in fact you come back in them and they are the the substance so to speak of them might change from a perishable substance to an imperishable substance and that's kind of in the aristotelian understanding of substance but your body is risen from the dead it's not just a soul that rises from the dead which is what we talk about all the time is like you just become like a, uh, a spirit yeah a spirit what was the guy on um uh, there were, <laughs> look at michael landon back in the day he was an angel uh brett i think you might have a muted uh voice there but um that's all right Michael Landon will save you. Um, but you're not just sent Sorry. to heaven as a soul and turn into an highway angel. To heaven. Highway to heaven. Hi- Wait, sorry. No, that's not wrong. That's, that's, that's wrong. 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 Sorry, wrong. my bad. My bad. No. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, so bodies matter. Anyway, wow, this has gone off the rails. I think it's probably good to have a good time while talking about death just to lighten the mood. Yeah. Well, and listen, as Christians, like this is, we, we understand that, well, to quote Paul once again in this very chapter, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, um, is one of the most powerful and important passages for us to understand the importance of the resurrection. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians 15, at the very beginning, Paul is going to be very, he's going to make a very clear case of, of bodily resurrection, um, mm. of, of, of the reason why Jesus was bodily resurrected. He makes a very, very clear case. In fact, he will say, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, and his understanding of raised from the dead is not some ethereal spiritual resurrection, he's, it is a bodily resurrection, a full resurrection, because Jesus would be the first fruits of the resurrection that we will experience, um, that uh, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, he will say, then our faith is in void. It's invalid. It, there's, it, we're still dead in our sins, and we just, you know, might as well do something else. Um, 
But we'll go suck an egg. <laughs> yes, that's what he's saying. That's exactly what he said. That's in the uh, that's in the Aramaic original Aramaic. But anyway, sure so it was. Um, but he he looks at the way he looks at death and the power of the resurrection over death itself. I mean, in you know verse fifty and on, he says, "I tell you this, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery: we will all not sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality." When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall the, shall come to pass the saying which is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, for Paul, yes, there are, for Paul, death, the the, the bondage of death, the, the, uh, uh, the, the sentence of death, that we had because of sin is defeated because of Jesus' resurrection. And so there's victory in that. And so we can, I won't say be lighthearted with it. It's serious, but it is, there's victory. Mm-hmm. Right? There, That's there's right. And you, know, you, know, you know what would make me feel a sense of victory right now? <clears throat> if, if, our, if we sent our engineer, our sound engineer, and we sent him the clip of you reading that and put it over a hip-hop beat <laughs> because you were killing it, and I think it would be great. Well, I'll let him know. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, but this is one of my, you know, this is one of those passages that when I get really down and I start thinking about, you know, you know, in the COVID era that we live in and the stuff that's just going on around the world, it's really easy to look and just think that death has won. Yeah. And yet you look at this and you're just like, no, it hasn't. I'm, I'm not giving in to that. So anyway, uh, I love this passage. I always you know, I, love this chapter. When I hear the word imperishable, mm-hmm. I think no expiration date. Ooh. Ooh. And it's got, it's got a good um, shelf life. It's got a long shelf life. Long as, shelf, as, an eternal as, shelf life. As, yes, exactly what Jim had talked about earlier. Eternal, eternal uh, shelf life. And um, that... And it, which goes back to the original design, right? Yes. I mean, death was not in the picture, right? When creation happened, um, death was not there, right? It was only after the fall that death entered the picture. Right. Um, and so Jesus comes, atones for our sins on the cross, dies, but then is resurrected. And because he ha- is resurrected, we will be too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we won't have these perishable bodies, but we'll have imperishable bi- bodies. So there's no expiration date on those. So mm. that's just awesome. That's Man. good. That's good. I love it. And if you're curious about what that resurrection body might be, and if I will be young or old when I have it, there are some great reflections in the uh, old school theologian Thomas Aquinas in mm-hmm. his Summa Theologicae. Theologian, I just can't talk, but Thomas Aquinas, yes. um, we'll get you there. I don't know that the Bible has as many answers as we would like for it to, but right. And if you just want some, if you want some uh, fun, just reading and thinking on someone who has done some good kind of philosophical work on this from a Christian tradition, uh, Jerry Walls um, has done uh, written a book called um, Heaven: The Logic of Eternal Joy um, or Everlasting Joy. Um, 
and uh, and he also has another book called Heaven, Hell, and Purgatory, which he talks about uh, some of these things as well. And I'll link to those books where in, in the, the show, show notes. notes. <laughs> so let me let me let me take us down a rabbit hole. You want to take us down? Let's little, go little, little chase those rabbits. Let's yeah, go. So let's do that. Yeah. What kind of body did Jesus have after the resurrection? <laughs> what What are you getting at? Well, no. So, okay. So he had his, his scars were, were visible, correct? Yes. That's right. That's yeah. correct. Okay. They were a part he, of his body. Right. But he appeared behind a locked door, correct? That's what right. the scriptures say. He moved right uh, through it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's the way I read it at least. And yeah. it, it doesn't say like he, he it just picked says the lock he or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly for everybody listening. I'm just asking for my own self uh, to see what my two brethren say. But um, uh, I just, I just wonder. Like uh, he had the scars, um, but he was there, his, there, he was different though. Um, and he was were, temporal because they could touch him and feel. Well, him. and different, different witnesses at the at the tomb didn't recognize him at first. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Different accounts. Um, I'm just curious, like, and then, and so then he ascends. Does, does he have a different body when he ascends? Um, we don't same body. Same, same body. All right. Same body. Yeah. Yeah. So the couple things here. So one, um, when life happens to you, it is so redeemed that it will stay in your body and become glorified and um, perfect. So mm. the scars of Jesus, which represent the worst thing that could happen to him or a person, uh, then redeemed and become subsumed into this perfection. So mm -hmm. also, is, is he then like a ghost who can just walk through walls? That is a sign of our limited three-dimensional thinking. Um, and remember that God created those three dimensions and doesn't necessarily have to work right. with so them. So what you're telling me is, I'm limited by my limited thinking. <laughs> Yes. yes. Yes, I am. Yes. But that, that was, I that, actually would have told that you that before I can get this behind. question. That yes. I can get behind. Yes. And then the other, <laughs> the other, uh, was it, uh, they didn't recognize him. Have you ever seen anything of pure, imperishable perfection? No. No. I imagine it would be quite Preach a Preach it, Jim. Preach it, Jim yeah. Morrow. Yeah. And so when Jesus, Jesus is the, the pure, uh, homoousius of, um, body and divinity of flesh and divinity human and divinity and then to become fully imperishable in uh resurrection in keeping that humanity and divinity has got to be quite a sight to see and they'd be like hmm i recognize that guy but i'm not quite sure i recognize him and i'm so glad that you put that together because there there is thinking within the early church uh heretical thinking that uh jesus and his divine the, the humanity and the divine were separated mm -hmm. um and yet and there were many different types of of heresies with that but uh one of the, one of the examples of how the church came together and was able to have a a clear thinking, biblical thinking on this would be um, the, um, I believe it was the Council of Laodicea um, who uh, um, would come up with the understanding that Jesus was, um, I don't think, maybe it wasn't Laodicea, I'm thinking, um, anyway, one of the councils, the early councils of the church, um, of that Jesus is 100% divine, 100% human. So it's not 50%, 50%, or 75%, 25%, that it's, he is God, he is human. And, and it is important to think about it that way because that's how Scripture presents Jesus to us. 
is right. as being human. And you see that in these stories here, in these accounts where he's passing through walls, but he's also you can touch him. He's cooking you fish on the you know on the on the shoreline. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it's good stuff. I I always thought uh, I always <laughs> I always laugh. It's it's horrible. But you know, uh, every now and then there's memes of Jesus, like with a six pack as a resurrection. You know, like he's 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 buff now. Um, I but I think that's more for me. Like I like to think because as someone who is a little overweight, well, a lot overweight and whatnot, I like to think that my resurrected body is going to be at least in shape. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess there are no easy ways out, right? <laughs> so, there um, no anyway. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, so uh, let's look at the Gospels here. The first one we're going to look at is Luke 23, and of course, this is Jesus on the cross. And interestingly enough, just, we're just going to look at one verse here, and it is uh, 23, uh, 43, and this is where Jesus is speaking to uh, the thief right next to him, um, and who would uh, say, ask Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the response there is, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me. So, uh, and today in paradise. And so there's all kinds of debate about what is meant by the word paradise and you will be with me today and all of that. And then you take Paul's teachings about resting or sleeping and until the resurrection, what's going on here. But you just, you see, I love this passage, not so much for the debate about what paradise means and the immediacy of being with Jesus and any of that stuff. I love this passage that says that God's grace is so uh, wonderful and loving that even the thief on the cross could come to be uh, to to take part in the benefits of death and resurrection as a believer up until the very last minute. Hmm. You know, up until that very last minute. That th- there's no uh, there's no great not grace <laughs> grace period. How fun is that? Uh-huh. Um, there's, <laughs> there's no like you've got to be for ninety days. You've got to be a believer before you can enjoy these benefits. This really does sound like um, legal language. Like we need to get that um, E. Wills guy on to do an ad. <laughs> yeah. For ninety days, you can uh, <laughs> cash in your deal for a free will <laughs> and receive your benefits of death and resurrection. So, uh, but it's just that immediacy. Now, again, like I said, you can look up all the debates about what is meant by paradise and all that other stuff. But I just, for me, when I'm talking to somebody and they're telling me, "Well, you don't know." what I've done in my life. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the past. You, you know, um, I'm not good enough for Jesus. I'm like, dude, there was a thief. There was a murderer right next to him uh, who said, remember me. And guess what Jesus did? Remembered him. I mean, he, he welcomes him into the kingdom. And so uh, if, if he can do it for the thief, he can do it for me and you and anybody else. And then from Matthew 25. Now, Matthew 24, 25, 26, Matthew is sharing a discourse to Jesus when he's talking about all kinds of stuff. There's really kind of this apocalyptic teaching that is going on here in these, uh, in these verses. And I'm going to be looking at Matthew 25, specifically uh, verse 23. Um, and uh, this is within a parable, actually, the parable um, of the tenants. And uh, this is, uh, uh, you know, within uh, Matthew 25 too, you also get uh, the resurrection teachings of uh, the day of resurrection, the day of judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. Um, you get the uh, separation of the sheep from the goats. 
Um, and uh, by the way, I've... <laughs> you... no, this is your moment not to say what you're about to say. Okay, I need to back off. All right, let's just back. I don't off. know what it. Is. I don't know what it is, but but just my spidey senses went off, and it doesn't feel good. All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, let's just move on before I get in trouble. But anyway, so uh, Matthew 25, there's just so much rich stuff there. Um, and um, I will just only say this. It's good to be the sheep on this in these stories. It is good to be the sheep in these stories. But um, in the parable of the tenants, uh, we um, uh, get to verse 23 of this. And this is what it says. Um, His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, the parable of the tenants is talking about basically those who have been faithful and those who have not been faithful. The consequences of faithfulness and the consequences of being of unfaithfulness. And there's joy in being faithful. That's why in our communion liturgy in the United Methodist Church, we talk about free, you know, we ask the Lord in our confession of sin, um, free us for joyful obedience. There's joy in being obedient to Christ. And our our joyfulness, our obedience, I should say, our obedience uh, is, is an important part of who we are in this life but we can experience that joy even into eternal life. So um, beautiful language here, I think, and some really interesting teachings in the Gospel of Matthew here in Matthew, like I said, 24, 25, around 26 as well. I hear 27 and 28 are pretty good too. Yeah, 27 and 28 are fairly, fairly decent pieces of Scripture as well. Solid sequels. Yeah, solid sequence of things going on there. Um, I tell you, the final judgment teachings in that discourse in 25, you know, those are important readings for all the church, especially today, to to just to read those and to take, you know, to ask yourself, am I a follower of, 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 am I doing what Jesus has commanded me to do? See, Jesus, what I always have to remind myself is that uh, just simply saying, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, it's not enough. There's, to be a follower of Jesus is to be a transformed person, and to, your life is transformed. And, you know, Jesus really is hammering that home at the end of uh, Matthew 25. All right, so uh, just some questions that come up as we read this and we read the questions in the actual catechism um, is, uh, you know, again, that interesting statement rest in, uh, in the catechism itself, they rest in their graves until the resurrection. Um, we, uh, we, we talked a little bit about that. Uh, question, do we meet Jesus at our death or is there a waiting time? Um, you know, are, and if there is a waiting time, do we just kind of, you know, people, people I'll, I'll talk about this issue, and people will say, I don't like the idea of my grandpa just, like, hanging out in the grave until the resurrection. Like, I want him to be in his, you know, mansion in the sky or whatever language that they use. Um, but, you know, as you said, Jim, I think there's some important language here when we think, or thinking here to do about what eternity means and, and, and what that looks like. Um, well, and then there's also, go ahead. So what's interesting about those those whether actual conversations or rhetorical conversations that you're talking about, um, 
it's all it's all self-focused Ooh. But, Ooh. right right so like yes. all of our issues Ouch. Yes. <laughs> all of ah. our issues and our questions with death are very self-centered mm-hmm. and i if i'm not mistaken eternity is not about us Ooh. um but it's about being in the presence of god right Yes. Um, <laughs> but I mean I get it though. I get it because um um I don't want to uh, you know <laughs> the reason we don't think about death is cuz death is not pleasant. And so we want to sort of cushion it as much as we can. Mm. Um but in in reality, I mean, you know, eternity is not about us. It's about being in the presence of God. And so uh then the question is, well how can we get prepared now for that? Um, and how can we, you know, live our lives in such a way that we start, um, start getting rid of our expiration date here on earth. You know what I mean? Like start living into that Mm -hmm. imperishable life now Mm -hmm. as best as we can. Um, so anyways, but yeah, I just, when you were just hearing that, it's like, it's all about those questions and I've heard them too. And I've, and I maybe even asked them myself, they're all very self-centered questions. Um, so Alan Alan Kaysen with the dropped mic moment, with the dropped mic moment. No, his mic's still on the stand. My mic is definitely on the stand. (laughs) Metaphorically, um, metaphorically I I don't really know where that came from, but it, you know, hey, it is what it is. So, yeah. Um. Oh, that was that was good. Um. Let me let me ask. Why do you think we as believers are afraid of death? Because I mean, the gospel message is so. Impact the the scripture, the Bible, the New Testament. I mean, it's clear, like no doubt about it. Death has lost. Why? So why are we afraid of death? I think it is the unknown, um, or at least what we uh, think is the unknown. I mean, like I think Scripture does a good job of explaining the best to. The, the best that it can, I guess, um, of what eternity looks like. Um, but I think it's, and I think we're, I mean, we, we have, we have a survival instinct, right? We have a, um, mm. we are, we are made to, to survive. And so the, I think, um, I think some of it has to do that we haven't died to ourself. Um, you know, as we're, as we're, as we're following Jesus, we, we may, may not have fully died to ourselves um, in following him. And so I think, I think some of that comes as in, as we, as we, as we grow and mature. Um, I've seen, you know, recently I've had, um, I just did a, a, a funeral uh, for a church member who was in his uh, early nineties and married for over 70 years. Um, and to see, he and his wife walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, they did it. I mean, it was just like, it is, it, they did it in such a way. Like it was just the next step. Hmm. Like, um, that dying and taking his last breath was just the next thing that it was. And it, and, and it was not only the next thing, but it was like, um, I'm going to see Jesus and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, this, 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 uh, individual, his mother passed away while giving birth to him. So he had never 
physically met his mother and several times during the the dying process there was talk of him getting to meet his mother um and that's a different issue than i guess what we're talking about today but i think just the 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 maturity and the growth and the daily walking with christ had brought him to a place i guess we talk about entire sanctification and, and sanctifying grace that had 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 brought him to a place where death was just the next thing it was part the death was part of life um and and uh um and so he was not afraid of death whatsoever and i think it just so i guess that just comes with i would say it comes with spiritual maturity hmm. um is, is losing that fear of death yeah yeah i think i think that that's probably a key thing which is absolutely unknown uh death is the last proof that you believe well wow you see wow yeah. mm. um mm. it's good yeah and like it's just the escalating odds, the escalating risks. Um, and think about how for some of you, this was really easy, like learning to tithe was a huge risk. And so for me, once you get up to that point, then you give up this and then you learn to to let go of control of this. And then um, you realize that you can be healed to your deepest broken wounds. And, and then there's death and that's the top of the risk mm -hmm. pile. And um, I think it's some people will get, comfortable with that sooner than others. Hmm. But I also think that might be why the, um, the early church, um, just really gathered around the, their martyrs. Well, that, I was going to ask that is, um, do you think part of the fear of death in at least in American culture, um, United States, you know, of America, of, you know, our, our, our culture is because we're so safe and, um, well, gosh, look at the way that we're talking about the church being persecuted in America right now. Uh, quite frankly, it's a little ridiculous. Um, yeah. When there's little, real persecution going when there's, on. When in. there's people absolutely uh, right now in Afghanistan, the church is uh, like that. But it's not just in Afghanistan. It's all over the world. I have a missionary friend who has spent um, decades in ministry in India. Mm -hmm. And when in some of the places that uh, he has served when somebody has come to Christ, they've had to be smuggled out of their um, a village because their uncle will shoot them in the back with a bow and arrow Yeah, uh, for coming to Christ. Yeah. Uh, I remember the, uh, um, this has probably been six, seven years ago, the, is it 21 Coptic Christians? Yep. Beheaded. Yep. Um, it, the persecution and uh what we sacrifice for our faith is 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 much different right now in america the prevailing evangelical christianity um doesn't get persecuted it gets i won't use the word i want to use it gets outraged childishly at the slightest inconvenience hmm. uh and the church elsewhere suffers for jesus yeah and i mean and i and i am aware that i have very little actually suffered for jesus yeah me too i mean um i, I have through friends i've made at asbury the to talk to people who really face death well in the face day day to day in the ministries that they have to do that they're called to do 
and to ask them, uh, why do you have such joy in your life? Like, there's there's no, like, I, you don't talk about these situations with any fear or trepidation. You talk with about these situations with incredible joy. And they say, well, it's, how else do you talk about Jesus? Like, how else do you do, this is, this is our calling. It's such a different mindset than what we have over here. And, you know, I was thinking about, too, um, Alan, as you were sharing about that beautiful couple out of your church. Um, I was thinking about um, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, and right before his heartwarming experience or conversion experience, whatever you want to call that, in 1738, you know, he was a missionary to Georgia, and on his way to Georgia, he experiences massive storms, and he he even writes that how afraid he was to die, and that fear of death especially in the face of the Moravians, the German Moravians who were singing hymns and praising God in the midst of the storms and the, 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 the boat, the ship almost sinking, shook him up. That he wasn't, that was a lingering thing in the back of his mind for a couple of years throughout his time in Georgia and then um, back into England right before he uh, had that experience on in 1738. And the, and from that experience, of course, comes his assurance and uh, a, a, an infilling of the Holy Spirit, and, and the Wesleyan revival just just sparks. But it it's interesting that it was the almost like it was like the fear of death was almost like the catalyst that got things moving in his life. Because here he is, a professed Christian, an Anglican priest, Afraid to die, not afraid. Of, it's not about the pain, but of the fear of death itself, and it shook him up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as right, rightfully would you, uh, it should. You know, um, there's nothing special about people who go into the ministry or become ordained. And quite frankly, and you might remember some of our guests have told these stories too. Uh, many people. I have one friend who says it's usually the hurt puppies who go into ministry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's not. It's not necessarily that there's a supernatural spirituality about people who go into ministry, and so quite right. frankly, being faced with our own death is about the only way, one way or the other, whether it's an existential death or an actual death, um, right. that we can grow and change. Um, yeah. Wow, we're getting quite deep and all over the place here. I would like to invite people to take a look. I think. Um, so Shaku Endo is a Japanese novelist who wrote a book called Silence that is now a, that was made a movie a handful of years ago with Liam Neeson and Kylo oh, yeah. Ren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, not yeah. Kylo Ren. What's uh, the actor's uh, name? Oh, but I, 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 <laughs> Kylo Ren. <laughs> now I can only think of him as Kylo Ren. I can't think of his actual name. Adam, Adam Driver. Adam, Adam Driver. Driver. Yeah. Um, the book is haunting. I haven't seen the movie yet. The book is haunting, mm-hmm. and it has to do with uh, this idea of faith and death. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. It's a deep topic. I think it's important yes. to say out loud right now. If you look through much of the New Testament, um, it is not all joyous. It's all joyful. Let me say it's, it's not all like you get the blessing you want and you get the blessing you want, like we make it out to be sometimes. I wonder if our desire for the pursuit of happiness and our consumerist culture has really tainted the way we present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the New Testament is full of things like we share in the sufferings of Christ, which would not, that is not a topic that flies off the shelves. That's right. And yet everybody suffers. 
Right. And so there is as much about being a Christian that has to do with suffering as there is about the joy. And it's always that the joy comes in the morning. Yeah. Um, and so I think that learning to face our death, learning what death is in the Christian life, and learning to face the little deaths of our sufferings um, are going to be what make us virtuous, faithful Christian people, mm-hmm. more so than just trying to find the blessing or talk it away. Because at the end of the day, you can say whatever you want to a grieving person as a pastor or as a fellow Christian. At the end of the day, they're going to go to bed hurting and wondering about death, no matter yes. what you said. Right. You can sue them in the moment. But if we can't talk about it, if the church can't talk about it, if, if your brother and sister in Christ can't talk about it, then nobody can. Yeah, that's then, absolutely I mean, right. That means that we're a failure. That's that means there's right. no answer, that God has no answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about pastors. If there's somebody in your life who knows you're a Christian and they have a big question, and I don't want to put the pressure on you, but if you can't show up even a little uh, about what it means to be a comforting presence and what death means in the Christian faith, then you might not be uh, drawing them closer to the faith. And so it's probably incumbent on all of us to learn a little bit more. Hence the reason why we three believe it matters. And um, we hope Is this going to be our longest episode ever? No, it's not. No, oh, okay. not, not at all. Oh, um, right. Hey, one last question, but it's an easy question. Well, maybe an easy, but it's a fun question to ask, I guess you should, I should say, uh, answer is, uh, have y'all thought about your, uh, your funerals and like kind of elements of your funerals that you would like, like, and is there anything like that w- is a little different? Like for me, for example, I've actually given a lot of thought to my funeral. You know, I want it to be Jesus honoring proclamation of the gospel, but I'm also, I'm a real big fan. I say big fan. One of the things that is most meaningful to me out of scripture is that like the banquet table imagery that comes out of like Isaiah and that comes out of uh, Revelation and some other places in scripture, the banquet table of the nations, being able to participate with the the the, the universal church, um, you know, as, as part of the blessing of the resurrection itself. And so I have, I have let it be known that I want there to be a banquet table at my funeral. Like I want a banquet table of barbecue and just some wonderful, just like food and music and joy because, you know, I, I, I want to be, I, I want to live my life where I'm being obedient and joyful in the Lord. And I want that to be experienced at my funeral. I didn't know if y'all have had any thoughts to like your funerals and any kind of what you want as part of that. It's, it's, it's a little unusual, but I thought, um, you know, as Cass is coming in, you know, everything is awesome. <laughs> everything is good. With you. No. <laughs> that would be such I an just Alan Cason thing. I Come just on. Did that. <laughs> I just did that for the likes and the five-star reviews. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, no, I have not. I have not mm. given mine a lot of thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I just had the one request. We will at my funeral. I know what I don't want, and we're not going to sing every move I make, um, <laughs> and with the hand motions. That's the only thing I know. Now, now we're not going to do that. Alan and I are going to make sure that that's all we. That sing. is absolutely <laughs> going in your funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, deal. I die first. You two do my funeral with your headphones and microphones. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it in Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> Via Zoom. <laughs> 
what, what would be a good final word to leave with our uh, pot of cumin? I, I got one. Um, you can talk about heavy things, uh, and it's especially with people that you love and trust, uh, especially in Christ, and it, and it can lighten it lighten things up. We're all at the time of our recording. Uh, I don't know about your communities, but there's huge COVID spikes out here, and it's drastic, mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's so heavy. Yeah. Um, to be reminded of the joy in the midst of that. That's what Christ brings in the face of death. We can also be reminded of by our sisters and brothers in Christ who we open ourselves up to be with. Amen. I'm just going to say amen to that. Absolutely. Well, uh, in our next episode that's coming up, uh, we're going to have Dr. Timothy Tennant, president of Asbury Theological Seminary. He's going to be with on with us as we move into uh, our beginning discussion uh, on the Ten Commandments, on the moral law, on all of this. Like, what does God require of us? Now, that's a big question. What does God require of us? And so, uh, Dr. Tennant's going to come on. He's going to share with us, um, and we're going to highlight some of his books. And he's he's got a great, unique perspective because not only is he a president of a seminary, but before then he was a professor of world religions, particularly uh, with uh, uh, expertise in Hinduism and in India. Um, and he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. And I think y'all are going to enjoy him. And I'm looking forward to that next episode. Um, Jim, Allen, y'all have any closing remarks y'all want to make? Hey, wasn't Tim Tennant one of the guys who played Doctor Who? Uh, uh, um, well, I think that was no, David Tennant. that was David, David Tennant. Yeah, that was oh. David Tennant. Yes. Well, yeah. I'll check with my people and see if I'm still going to show up for that episode then. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm a student again at Asbury yeah, Seminary. I, I say, love Dr. Yeah. Tennant, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Here's my word. Christ has died. <laughs> Christ is risen. Oh, this is serious. Christ will come again. Amen. Amen. I mean, yeah, good. You surprised me, like, with yeah. a serious... I know. It was good. Out- Jim I'm was, sorry. Was shocked. Yeah. I was waiting for some. I was waiting for some more Lego Movie quotes. No. All right. You're a serious person. I know this about you. Okay, Podacumans, hit us up on social media at Podacesis is where you can find us. Website is uh, Podacesis. Pod, what? What? Who are we? The Podacesis podcast. Yeah. Podacesis.com. Um, you can also call us four zero four six three five six six. Seven nine. Share us with your friends. Let them know they can find us wherever they get their favorite podcast. Leave that five-star review on Apple iTunes. That will help us so very much. And until next time, I'm Brett Maddox. That's Jim Morrow. Jim Morrow. That's Alan Kaysen. See ya. Peace. Peace.